everyone, it's Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Excited to bring um, to you a podcast here midweek um, to talk a little bit more about the Beatitudes. We're in our Blessed series. And so for the past couple weeks, you have been hearing um, uh, sermons from the scripture in Matthew 5 um, about the Beatitudes. And uh, what we really wanted to do this summer is we know many of you bike or walk or run or Um, sit outside and and play with the kids and we thought that it would be a great idea to just produce an extra podcast for you to listen to so that you can continue to just um, dive deep into the word of God and into these particular verses on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. There's just so much great material and information and things that can really challenge us um, to understand more of what Jesus is saying here um, in these words. So we're thankful you're joining us today and um, really looking uh, into more of these Beatitudes. If you've missed the past um, few weeks, you can get um, the sermons on Sunday morning. The podcasts are on the website, www.eriefirst.org, and um, you can go ahead and catch up on those. And then there's also bonus material each week being pushed out midweek that you can engage with also. So we're, we're learning from Matthew 5, um, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And so I just want to read to you uh, Matthew 5 verse 1. So now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, the passage continues to go on, and we'll read more of that as we continue to navigate through this passage. But I wanted to stop right there at verse 6 and talk just a little bit more about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so there is this, it reminds me of, uh, there's this um, story in the scripture um, in the Old Testament and this group of people began building this huge tower that would stretch all the way to the sky. And they said in the scripture, they, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Um, which truthfully seemed like a worthwhile desire at first. Um, who really wants to stay and fill this world anyway? Uh, things are difficult here. There is pain. There is Um, frustration, there is different difficult elements, but isn't the point of my faith to escape the world, to go to heaven and be with God? And so it's a fascinating, uh, in the scripture, is because probably these people really felt like this was their uh, major escape, that this was the way that they were going to get closer to God, that this is the way that they were going to understand more of the kingdom of heaven. But um, in this story, God does not want his children to journey up to be with him. In fact, um, God reacts strongly against the tower and and their desires in a very dramatic way. And he uh, miraculously confuses the language of these people so they can no longer communicate. And then he scatters them all across the globe. Um, Apparently, uh, the desire um, to escape our world was not what he wanted us to do. And God took extreme measures to really uh, stop that plan of action. And so it's interesting. It, It sort of got me thinking um, why? Why is it such a bad thing uh, to want to go to heaven, to want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens and, and, just, and just go escape from all of this that we have to deal with when we're um, in these fleshly, you know, fleshly beings? Um, and I think what, what really struck me 
was that the predominant theme of the Bible is actually the opposite of us building a tower and trying to get to heaven. Um, the, the predominant theme of the Bible is the fact that Jesus Christ uh, climbed down the ladder. He climbed out of heaven to get to us and that he meets us um, right where we are. He becomes home for us in our own hearts. And so the duty of humanity is not to climb a ladder to get to heaven. Uh, our job is to prepare our world, our lives, our hearts, so that when God enters them, he feels the most welcome. The idea is that uh, we continue to live out, uh, to build and create the kingdom of heaven around us and inside of us, to be people of the kingdom, um, so that when God enters them, he is the, the most welcome. He feels just right at home. Um, it's interesting, the God of the Bible consistently draws nears to those he loves. Um, he consistently wants to be close to the people in the scripture, and I believe that that communicates to us that he consistently wants to be close to us. Um, God drew near to Adam and Eve as they were walking in the cool of the day. He drew near to the Hebrew people that, leaved, that left Egypt in the pillar of fire. He, he drew near to the Jewish refugees in the desert as a glorious cloud filled their tabernacle. He, he just continued to draw near to people. He drew near to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire uh, of Babylon. And, and, and in the great climax of all of human history, God became flesh and he dwelled among us in Jesus Christ. And so over and over again, we see that God moves toward us. He moves towards us. He comes into our sphere, into our problems, into our circumstances. And it seems, in fact, that God's main desire is to dwell with us, um, to dwell with us as we long for him. And that reminds me of a psalm, um, Psalm 91, that I want to read to you that just talks about dwelling um, in the shelter of the Lord. And um, God woke me up last night, actually, four in the morning and just brought this psalm to me. And, and as I prayed through it, I really felt like um, this is the picture of what he wants us to be um, every day. It says, uh, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I love that Jesus moves toward us. That God makes a statement when, he, um, when those that built the Tower of Babel pursued the opposite course. He makes a statement and he says um, that it is not about making our name great. It is not about... Um, making us what anything we can do to get close to God. It is all about him 
coming down and meeting us right where we are. Um, and so it's interesting. Um, Jesus told stories of the faithful uh, that prepared for the return of a, of a Savior. And um, we understand that um, heaven is a place which sometimes we, we feel like we will feel an escape. But, but I really believe that heaven is instead, it's this um, idea that, that the sphere of God will meet the sphere of the world. And that as we get closer and closer to understanding more about living a kingdom life, we actually get closer and closer to understanding more about heaven and understanding more about what life will look like. Um, this reminds me of another passage in the scripture um, that comes from um, Acts. And it's a parallel story to the Tower of Babel, and it occurs in the New Testament. And um, it says that when the day of Pentecost came, uh, Christ's followers were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now they were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language uh, being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those, these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. And what I love about this scripture is it shows that um, the movement of God is to fill. The movement of God is to fill. And while, while at the Tower of Babel, the people wanted to escape the world, at Pentecost, God entered the world. At Pentecost, God wanted to come in. At Babel, the languages were confused. Yet at Pentecost, the multilinguistic people began hearing a new unifying message. At Babel, a group sought to make their name great across the earth. At Pentecost, the desire was reversed as God's name was made great by those prepared to go into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth of the good news for all people. And so it's amazing that when God's spirit is unleashed to the world at Pentecost and when it was rested on the faithful um, people like tongues of fire, I believe that the curse of Babel was broken and no longer uh, would culture barriers or creeds or history separate confused humanity, but there's this new language that all people could speak freely to one another, and that was the language of God's inbreaking reign. That um, th- this was the idea that God came and He meets us um, right where we are. And so I, I just I really believe that um, you know Christian theology does not sort of uh, climax in the fact that the world is is being destroyed, it climaxes that the world is being filled, that Pentecost is a sign of God's future, that as we saw in the parable of the sower, God is now, is now filling a world that looks barren, um, like a sower planting a seed in the garden. And, and we see that, um, that he has come, that he has come for those who are, who are wanting, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and who are hungering and thirsting for the kingdom, that he wants to fill us. Um, God is working in our, in our world, and he is just abounding uh, things, especially when we ache, when we're hungry um, for him. And, and the flood of God's presence just begins, um, and it begins with a desire. It begins with a desire um, to, to want, to thirst, and to hunger for the righteousness. And the scripture promises in Matthew 5, um, verse 6, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I believe that in my life and in yours, God's presence enters when we are empty enough to receive it, when we are hungry enough to receive it. 
And I believe that God is not saying, build a tower and come up to heaven. God is saying, get hungry, get low, get, get empty, and I will come, and I will fill you, and I will meet you right where you are. I will meet you right in the middle of your emptiness and right in the middle of your situation, and I will fill you up in every possible way, in a way that you could never dream or, or understand from your human perspective, in a way that you could never make on your own. You can never build a tower tall enough to get to God, but God has every ability to overflow and fill you in every way. And that's what we see at Pentecost. And I, I love just that, the, the antithesis of the moment at the Tower of Babel, that God himself is, is giving everything that we need and filling us as we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Have a great week. I pray that um, you are making room for God, that you are craving his spirit, craving his, um, his great uh, name, and that you would continue to, to just receive him as he meets you in every moment this week. We'll see you on Sunday at 10 a.m. at Erie First Assembly. Have a great week.